Welcome back to Be The Sought After Entrepreneur podcast. This is episode number six, and I'm your host, Katherine Thompson. It's an exciting time with the launch of the show, and I'm excited as always to have you here. If you've listened to the first five episodes, you know we do things a little differently around here. In fact, we do things a lot differently when it comes to content marketing, sales, and running our business. And if you've been in business for any period of time or you're thinking of starting a business, you know that marketing is needed to generate sales because without sales, you don't really have a business, do you? But if you're like most entrepreneurs I talk to, you're riding that roller coaster of creating consistent income in your business and you're likely living month to month. Am I right? Sometimes you're up and other times you're down and it's just so freaking stressful. Maybe you're itching to do things differently, pivot, shake things up in your industry, or start fresh, but you're afraid it will negatively impact your business. And if that is the case, please, please tune into this episode because on today's episode, we have a very special guest joining us, Michelle Lapointe, the owner of Michelle's Flowers. Michelle is going to share with us how to successfully go against the grain in your brick and mortar in the name of staying true to yourself, even when others think you're nuts. Because if you're operating a business that isn't true to you, it will negatively impact the profitability and sustainability of your business. And I want to help you avoid that. So stick around. That's all coming up next on Be the Sought After Entrepreneur podcast. After generating over a million dollars in sales and selling one of her businesses with a single email, your host, Katherine Thompson, takes an unconventional approach to marketing and sales. So if you're ready to tap into a more powerful way to be seen, heard, and a sought-after entrepreneur in your industry without having to spend endless hours marketing your business and chasing clients, you're in the right place. Be the Sought-After Entrepreneur Podcast is here to help you ditch the cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all approach to marketing and use your unique energy to effortlessly attract the most aligned clients. When you do this, you can spend less time marketing your business and more time doing your soul work and enjoying the richness of your life. Welcome to Be the Sought After Entrepreneur Podcast. And here's your host, Katherine Thompson. Okay, okay. I am super stoked for this special guest of mine because we go way back to our youth soccer days. Yes, we were like 14 or 15 years old and we had big dreams mostly around soccer and really excelling on the field. She was a forward. I was a defender. She scored a lot of goals. I defended a lot of goals. Probably stopped her from scoring a few too. We were on opposing teams, never really played on the same team, but we met through the soccer community and we've been friends ever since. Even with her moving away to the States to play for college and me staying close to home to play my five years of varsity soccer at the University of Saskatchewan. Like I said, this community of soccer girls locally is such a tight-knit group that we just always stayed in each other's lives. She's my life and biz bestie, as I like to call it. We've traveled to Peru and hiked Machu Picchu, had an amazing time exploring the Galapagos. If you haven't been to the Galapagos, it is a sight to see for sure. And we've enjoyed many vacations to Mexico, California, Dominican, just to name a few. We love to travel and we always have the best time together. While we love to travel, today's episode isn't about that. Although I know you'd love our travel stories, they're just so fun. But we'll save those for another time. When I first decided to ditch my corporate career, Michelle was one of the first people I actually talked to about starting my own business. At that point, she'd been in business for 10 years or so, I think. So she was sure to dish it to me real and she did. That's what besties do, right? 
So it was a no-brainer to invite her on the podcast to share with my listeners that you can build a thriving business that doesn't fit the typical mold. And you know, at Be The Sought After Entrepreneur, we're all about breaking the molds. You can also reinvent yourself and do things differently even when things are working. What's the saying? Don't fix what isn't broken? Well, I don't buy that in business or life because we all evolve and grow, which makes keeping things the same practically impossible. And the more we grip our business and try to control the changes, the harder it's going to get. And Michelle is going to share how she's continued to evolve her business. She's built a widely successful brick and mortar flower shop that's won many awards. And she's getting ready to celebrate her 15th year in business. That's amazing. If there's anything Michelle has taught me about being a successful entrepreneur, it's that you can go against the grain and do what others tell you they think will fail in the name of staying true to yourself. She's pivoted her business multiple times throughout her entrepreneurial journey, tried and implemented things most people wouldn't dream of doing, like closing down her day-to-day flower service a month or three at a time just to rest and recharge. That is unheard of in the brick and mortar business. And I know what you might be thinking. There is no way I could close my shop for any period of time because I'm barely surviving. Well, Michelle's done it. She's done it numerous times and she's still thriving. How? Well, she's going to tell you. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest, Michelle Lapointe to the show. Hey, Michelle, welcome to the Be the Sought After Entrepreneur podcast. I was just telling our listeners how we met all those years ago on the soccer pitch for the first time. So our friendship goes back a long time, well before our entrepreneurial journey, which we are living now. And you were always somebody that I really looked up to because you started this journey basically right out of university. So why don't we just turn it right over to you and you can share with us how you got started with your business and how long you've been doing this for. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks for having me today. So I opened my retail flower shop when I was about 23 or 24. And I had opened that basically right out of university. And what I went to school for wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do with my life. And I worked at a flower shop while I was going to school for the latter part of my degree. And I thought, hey, this was so easy running a business can't be that hard. Why don't I just open one? So that's what I did. So I uh, opened Michelle's Flowers here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And I had run a storefront for about 10 years before I switched things up in my business. And that's kind of how I got started. Yeah, so cool. And it's so funny how you kind of said, you know, I worked at a floral shop during university. And you kind of thought, oh, this can't be that hard to start your business and get it going. So what did you go to university for? Because I think a lot of our listeners, especially when they're first starting out, you know, as a creative, as an entrepreneur, we've got all these really grandiose ideas. So I know when I went to university, I went in for business. And obviously, I'm still in business. But I mean, I went through sort of those phases too, where I you know, wanted to try different things and do different things. So share with us about, yeah, what was your undergraduate degree in, I guess? Yeah, for sure. So initially, I had gone to university for psychology. I'm not sure if I even really talked to you about no. this before. Yeah. So I started and that was my, my direction I was going in was psychology. And I really didn't want to do it. And I continued on way too long in that section where the creative side of me was what was really taking over. So I eventually switched the direction I studied was art and design. And my area of focus was photography and graphic design. 
And then I eventually then also minored in psychology just because I had so many credits and yeah. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed, I didn't specifically enjoy the psychology, but um, I enjoyed, I enjoy photography and graphic design, but I knew I didn't want to do it as a full-time career. Yeah. And I think that, you know, again, kind of will resonate with a lot of our listeners just because of, you know, where they were in their career. I know a lot of our audience either started in corporate or worked corporate and now have kind of transitioned out or, or follow that same sort of path doing something for too long that really didn't sort of spark that creativity that you were craving. So is that why you decided flowers? Like was the floral business something that kind of sparked more of that creativity that you were wanting? Not specifically. So I really enjoyed flowers and designing. And I just kind of was at a point where I sort of had to do something with my life. And it seemed really easy. So I thought I would do that. I enjoyed it on a regular day to day basis. But I didn't really understand the business side of how much work went into it. So that was kind of a little bit of a rude awakening as the years went on. But I mean, I still enjoy designing to this day. And this is almost 15 years later. So I know I chose the right path and kind of have just carved my way through in different ways. Yeah, totally. And so um, you talked about having a brick and mortar or a storefront, and that was the first thing you opened when you were 23. And then you've now transitioned a couple times and are looking to kind of transition back into a retail space to some degree. So share with the audience or listeners you know, what that all looked like and why you decided and to make that pivot, you know, well into your business, well into a successful business that you had created. Mm -hmm. So I would say that about year two, I knew that brick and mortar wasn't for me. And I just continued on because it was working. I was making money. The shop was successful. I was very busy on the wedding end. So it just season to season to season, it just rolled into 10 years, basically. And around, I would say it was maybe year eight of being in business, I had lost my mom to cancer. And it really opened my eyes to show that life is just way too short to be going somewhere from 10 to six when you don't even want to be there. So I said, okay, um, when my lease runs out, I'm not renewing. I'm going to switch it online and work a fraction of the time, not have the regular customer flow and just do exactly what I want to do, which is the design and weddings. So that's what I did. I closed the storefront, moved into my garage, and now I just do online orders and then the wedding portion of the business. Yeah. And so cool because like, like we were saying, you know, your business was so successful and is still so successful. And yet you still decided to make that pivot after your mom had passed away. And, you know, did it scare you? Where did you ever think like, Oh my God, what if this pivot like wrecks my business? Or what if I stop getting clients? Because you know, that brick and mortar, you can rely on that for walk-in traffic, foot traffic, visibility, all of that. So was there anything that scared you about making that decision or had you reached a point where you're like, no, this is what I have to do? Yeah, I would say I reached a point where my happiness trumped any fear or doubts that I had in the switch. And I knew that I would lose customers and that's that I was fine with that. Having a flower shop in a local area is a convenience for people. And so a lot of the time people don't order in like they'll do same day orders and I knew that there would be customers that I would be losing in that portion, but I was okay with that because we were a busy enough shop that I would still be fine. 
And I knew customers would follow us just based off of our customer service and our designs as well, too. So it really worked out quite nicely. Yeah. So having that sort of established name in the city here and having that customer base built up, let's talk about that a little bit in terms of like, how did you do that? What's the biggest factor you would say in business that really helped you one, start your business in the early days and then grow it over the last 15 years? I would probably say the biggest thing was just doing what I felt was good for me and the business. And customer service has been a key part of Michelle's Flowers. I feel that as the years have gone on, customer service has really gone down and down and down. And it's always been a really important part of the shop is to service people properly. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why people keep coming back is a customer service and then be the quality of what we've done. So we built up a name and that was a key factor for the switch for having people follow us. Like we still even get phone calls saying, Hey, are you still on Fairlight? And I mean, it's been four years since we've been there. So people still think about us over there, even though, I mean, it's been quite some time now that we haven't been there. Totally. Um, It's funny how people kind of just don't even necessarily realize things have changed, right? I know when we had our brick and mortar, our wine business, people would walk in, we'd been there four years, three years, and they didn't even know we existed. mm -hmm. And they're like, I drive by this place all the time. You know, when did you guys open? three years ago. (laughs) So it's just funny how we get in sort of that one track mind, but it is so important sort of to establish that name and build that name. And I totally agree with you when it comes to customer service and really how that in general in the world, you know, that is the standard in which customer service is, isn't the same. And it's so important yeah, to keep your customer service high in your business so that you keep people coming back. So Talking a bit about sort of, again, more of that transition, you've transitioned more to sort of the wedding flowers now, right? And kind of got away from those day-to-day flowers. Again, another big change because you had built your business on that day-to-day. So can you walk us through, I guess, or listeners through, you know, what kind of was going through your mind as you made those sort of shifts in your business? Yeah, I would say the main thing that was at the forefront of my thought was just my general happiness. and how I can be the happiest doing what I love the most. And there's things about my business that I don't enjoy doing. And I still do them because they are a part of the business and it helps the business run. But I can delegate some of those things onto staff as well. So I've started doing that. And that's really helped with really enjoying what I do. But the main thing that drove everything was just being happy in what I'm doing versus any other thoughts like financially or what other people think of me in our industry or in Saskatoon or anything like that. It was just mostly how can I be the happiest that I can be at work every day? Yeah. And so important kind of how you touched on it in terms of really allowing your happiness to drive the decisions that you make in business, regardless of what the impacts or what might happen. And it's interesting because I was just reading, if you guys know the bucket list family, I follow them. I love them. I love what they do. But recently they decided to pitch a cartoon idea, actually like Disney, Netflix, Pixar, and they actually got a 10,000, 10 million, not 10,000, $10 million offer they turned it down and they decided to open their own studio, production studio to create this cartoon. And a lot of their advisors were like, you're crazy. Why would you do that? That's nuts. 
But sometimes it's what feels good for you. It's really hard to explain to other people. And there's going to be tons of advice given, and it might not necessarily align with what you want and just being able to sort of trust that inner knowing that this is the direction for me. So I'd love to hear now about any kind of crazy advice you've received over the last 15 years in business, because I know I've received a ton of advice when we owned our brick and mortar and I still receive advice of like what I should do and what I shouldn't do. And so I just love the whole idea of kind of really following and trusting your own kind of intuition when it comes to running your business, because really it is your business and it has to work for you. So can you share any kind of like outrageous advice that you've received business wise? That was like, nah, I ain't doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's quite funny because I feel like I am more so on the side of if it's not what I want to do, I'm not going to do it. And so I'll give an instance. So it's a floral based instance. Some people might not really understand it, but the basis is you'll understand. So in the floral industry, there's flower shops, and then there's also wire services. So wire service, they are a company that takes floral orders, they don't actually have a physical local shop but they take orders and then they divvy it out to other flower shops over the internet specifically, I guess that's the best way to describe it. And so this part of my business, I hated, I hated doing these orders. They take a huge cut of your order and they were always the worst. You'd get complaints. Something wasn't right. It didn't look exactly like the picture. So Finally, I just said, I've had enough of this. And I stopped doing wire service orders. And A, my happiness just grew. And that might sound so lame, but I literally like my job changed instantly when I didn't have those orders coming in. And I was always told that as a young florist, you need to have wire services to get you through the quieter months of business. And that's never been the case for me. I've always in some way have done something. If it's quiet, I do something so it's not quiet. Or like I've always done something on my own without having to rely on somebody else. So the fact that people say when you start a flower shop, you need to have a wire service. I say run in the complete other direction. It's just not at all worth it. And you can grow your business a million other ways. I'm so glad that you shared that story because we received very, very, very similar advice when we opened our brick and mortar winemaking business four years ago, which we've now sold. But it was the same advice. It was, you know, you need to figure out what you're going to do on these slow months. And for whatever reason, no matter what, which we're usually January and August, people go away in the summer in Saskatchewan because we get really cold freaking winters. And in January, everyone goes south when it's not COVID to lay on the beach because they need to break up their winter. And so they always said your winters are going to be dead months, January, February, March, usually, right? And we always found a way to make the sales or we always found a way to market our business in a way. And word of mouth was a, it was a big one for us that kept driving traffic because of the service that we offered. But it's so funny that the first thing or the first piece of advice lots of people give is this negative slant on business. Like, You better prepare yourself for when you don't have sales, right? Instead of encouraging people to, here are methods and ways in which you can grow your business or because there are a million different ways you can market and grow your business, right? To bring in sales in those slow months or for us, lots of times January was very peaceful for us when it was a bit slower because we just came out of that Christmas rush. And so we actually look 
forward to January so that we could just chill out a bit, catch our breath and just relax. Because I also believe you need that in business. I agree completely. I feel that people have these ideas of, oh, I did business this way. So this is how you have to do business or the industry does it this way. So you have to do it that way. And I think people need to be able to step out on their own, figure it out on their own. And yeah, it's nice to have guidance, but also not in the negative fashion that is portrayed in those types of situations. Yeah, because when we, again, too, when we started our brick and mortar, everyone was like, you guys are crazy. Most businesses fail in a lot of ways. You know, it's going to be hard to make it successful, right? And it's always sort of that like negative slant of what's going to work, what's right or what's wrong when there really isn't a right or wrong way to do business as I like to say. So is there any other like outrageous advice that you got when you first started or throughout the 15 years that you were in business that was kind of like, eh, I'm not really going to buy into that. Oh, yeah. The one specific incident, I was chatting with a business owner and I was talking to her. And again, this was like around the time I was deciding to go from storefront to working from our garage studio. And I told her that I didn't really want to sign another lease. And I was hemming and hawing about signing another two-year lease. And she flat out, no respect for what I was talking about, said if you can't sign a five or a 10 year lease, that just shows you don't have any confidence in your business. Wow. (laughs) And I just thought, you know, A, that's not very nice to say. And B, I have a lot of confidence in my business. I just didn't have a lot of confidence in the way I was running my business at that moment. And so I find it quite funny now. So that was what, six ish years ago, she had, she's closed all of her businesses. Interesting. And now, you know, it just people, their advice sometimes and the things they say things, especially in business, you have to take with a grain of salt and just really take in what they're saying. And if it doesn't suit you in your life, just push it away, push it aside and just don't pay attention. Yeah, because it's interesting, too, that, yeah, you say that. And I love that story as well, because I think that oftentimes when people do give us advice, it's somehow a projection of what's going on with them or the experiences that they have, right? So it'd be interesting to know where she was in her own journey as an entrepreneur and now seeing that she's closed all of her businesses, right? Was she struggling? Did she not have confidence in her business? And was that why she was projecting that onto you, right? In terms of trying to get you to sign up for longer period of time. But I always find it funny when you get that advice again, like you said, it's like really kind of sifting through and really learning how to trust that intuition of what really works for you. And oftentimes, as I've mentioned, you know, sometimes we can't even explain it. It's just a feeling that you have that's like, it doesn't feel right right now. And I can't really explain why and just trusting that because there are going to be a lot of people trying to give you business advice that might not resonate with you. And it's totally okay. As we've mentioned throughout this podcast is, you know, there isn't a right or wrong way to do things. And it's just your way is the right way is what I always say. So what do you think is really important in business, you know, for new entrepreneurs just starting out, something to keep in mind as they're starting their business, growing their business, scaling their business? What's like one foundational thing that you carry throughout your business? Like what's really important to you to make sure that that's not sacrificed in business? Well, I would say that with the experience of being in business for 15 years, I can say this now, but I feel like when you start a business, you need to really make the business your own and follow what feels good for you in your daily tasks, job, whatever. 
but also when you look at the big picture of things, where you want your business to be, pay attention to goals that you have set and work towards them. So in my own personal experience, opening at such a young age with no real business, like my parents ran a business, but I was never business-y. I had no goals set. I had no long-term plans. I just went with it. And since I was busy and making money and it kind of blew up quickly, I felt like it was fine. Never really had any goals in place. So once I started paying attention to what I actually wanted in my business and thought about goals and all that, that's when my business really started thriving. And by thriving, it doesn't mean like financially or anything like that. It just means thriving for me in my own personal happiness within work. And I feel like that is the most important thing for me. And it took a long time to get there. But when I sat down and looked at how I want my business to be running or what I wanted within like staffing, anything like that, that's when it started to thrive. Yeah. And so, you know, touching on that, when it comes to when you started your business, like looking back now over the last 15 years, because it's always, you know, hindsight 2020, right? And so is there anything you can share that you wish you would have done differently over the 15 years? Or do you even live that way when it comes to life looking back and kind of the what ifs or the regrets or how I would have done things differently? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I have any regrets, because it all has led me to where I am today. But there's definitely things that I wish I would have done differently. And one of the things was just planning and setting goals. So I never really did that. And I actually, one of my brothers would always say, well, like, what's your goal in five years? And I would just giggle and say, like, I don't have any goals. Like, I thought it was a humorous question, because I was so busy, and I didn't need to set goals. But I just feel that if I would have had those types of thoughts at a younger age, I could have been way farther ahead into actually following my heart and what I wanted to do. Because at year two, I knew that's not what I wanted to do. So eight years later, I finally made the choices that I could have made at year two if I would have been more mindful. And I feel like that probably comes with age. And I mean, I was uh, busy doing other things like going out with my friends. And that was like a main part of my 20s was that versus thinking about business. So I think it has to do with age and maturity and all of that. But starting out as a young entrepreneur, I definitely would say like setting goals and following that and putting that at your forefront is a really key part to set you up with success. Yeah. And speaking of success, and you talked about thriving in business that doesn't always necessarily mean financially or money wise or whatnot. So what does success actually look like for you? If you could summarize it for us, what is that success? Well, success for me at this point in my life, so 15 years ish later from starting my flower shop would basically be how I feel inside and my happiness. So Currently, I'm super successful. I have an amazing husband. We have such a fun, great life together. I have an amazing staff. I have amazing clients. Like, I'd always say how blessed I am. I get all these amazing brides, and we have such a great time planting their flowers. And everything just is lining up so perfectly. And I feel that the only reason that that happened is I started focusing on myself and what I wanted in business and in my life. So, to me, currently success is happiness right now. Yeah. And so beautiful, because I think in business, we can lose sight of that or being an entrepreneur, we can lose sight of that a bit because it is so driven by the money or the financial wealth or health of the business, which is 
so important. However, you know, money isn't the be end all to everything, right? And so you can still have a widely success, financially successful business, but freaking hate it. My own experience with my brick and mortar, you know, we were making sales, it was growing, it was rapidly growing, but it just wasn't in alignment with who I was. And I didn't enjoy it. Could I see it going and getting to be this really great big business, thriving business financially, for sure. But it just wasn't, didn't make me happy. And so you can have all the money in the world and that happiness is so, so important. Just having the money doesn't make you, doesn't equal necessarily happiness. And so it's really kind of defining what success looks like for you and knowing that success can be totally different. Well, and I also feel that once you sort of look at all the aspects of life and then how that relates to your business, that's when success happens. So you know, it starts with happiness and then everything all falls into place. And so, you know, you hear all these things about businesses and these six figure businesses or seven figure businesses. But I mean, if you're not happy at the end of the day, what's the point? Exactly. It is so true. You're right. Like, I mean, if it's not bringing you happiness or joy or fulfillment, right, which is what we really all want, it doesn't fit your lifestyle, right? If you're working, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say you shouldn't hustle or grind or work hard because for some people they like that. I mean, I grinded and hustled for four years and still made a lot of sales in my business. I wasn't happy. But you can still make sales when you grind and hustle. I think there's the whole hustle movement right now, which I'll be doing a podcast episode on later talking about this and kind of redefining that because I think, you know, you can still make a lot of money hustling and grinding. And there's that whole movement where they talk about, you know, well, if you hustle and grind, you're not going to make the money. You're not going to see the success. Well, it's not really that you can make a lot of money hustling and grinding. You just might not be happy doing it. And so it's really defining the lifestyle that you want to live as well, right? The time you want to spend with your husband or spouse, the time you want to spend with your kids, like what does success actually look like? You did touch on not always loving everything in your business. And I think that's a really important thing to also share because I think there's this whole rhetoric out there that talks about building your dream business. And I think a lot of people misinterpret that as like, if I build my dream business, I'm going to love every aspect of it. That's not true. And you've touched on that as like, I don't like everything in my business all the time. So can you share with our listeners, you talk about delegating, but like, you know, what are some of the tasks in your business that you don't, that don't light you up and that you don't enjoy doing? Well, I would say there's a lot of tasks that I don't really like doing. If I had it made and I was at peak everything perfect in my business, I would just be going in and designing. I would have all the flowers cleaned, ready to go. I wouldn't be doing any of the grunt work, but that is a part of the job. So, I mean, it just is what it is. Unless I'm willing to pay a whole bunch of staff to do all the little tasks that I don't want to do. I mean, it's just not realistic. So things like, for example, cleaning up a rose, not my favorite thing to do. I love cleaning roses. I know you're and you're really good at it. That's why I guess you to come in on Valentine's Day. (laughs) But there's like simple little things like that, that not my favorite thing to do, but it needs to be done. And I don't do it all the time. Like I have people come in and clean product for weddings just because it helps save my design time. So there's ways that I get out of that. But there's also, you know, you'd have to also pick up your socks and help the team as a unit. I would say also, I mean, I am not a books kind of person. I do not enjoy taxes. I do not enjoy numbers, any of that kind of stuff. I really do not like, I still have to do it. I have to know those things in my business. So there's ways to delegate things in that, but I still have to be present in that as well too. So there's all kinds of little things in there. I mean, yeah, it's your job. (laughs) Totally. And I, again, love that you share that because I think there's this idea that if I build my 
dream business that I'm not going to have to do some of the things that we that we don't don't like. And it's I do go in and I love actually doing the cleaning of the flowers. And it's funny how everybody has their own preference. I mean, it's not my business. I don't run it. So but I love going in and cleaning it because to me, it's just mindless work in a lot of ways, which when for me is quite relaxing and coming from busy work. I love to to have that as an option. Yeah, and there's also simple little things like we have a term called bucket bitches. So, <laughs> you know, I was the sole person in my business for the first two years. So I cleaned a lot of buckets and I hated cleaning buckets. It's the worst job. Every Saturday, Sunday, you're cleaning 30 to 50 buckets. It's not fun. And so as the shop grew, I could pass that on to people. And believe it or not, years later, I actually like cleaning buckets. Like you said, it's the mindless work of not like if I don't have to do this certain thing in my business and someone else can do it, hey, I'll go wash some buckets. You know, it's just funny. It changes all the time, but there's always these little things like that. Yeah. And and again, so empowering for anybody that owns a business or looking to start a business and kind of worried about, you know, am I going to love everything? What if I don't like it? There are options to delegate, delete, automate if you want to, right? So just because you don't necessarily like some of the things in your business doesn't mean that you're, you know, you get rid of your business or sell your business or whatever. But again, and the tasks will change and your like for them will definitely change. I hated cleaning buckets at the wine business, <laughs> like hated it. And I think that was part of it, right? There were tasks for sure I didn't like doing, but again, you hire staff and you talk about, you know, for the first two years, you were a solopreneur. And then eventually as the business made money, you were able to hire people and get the support that you need in business. So again, another refreshing way to look at it, because sometimes it does take two years to get that business up off the ground, especially in a brick and mortar world where you're paying a ton of overhead to have rented space, power, all of that sort of stuff. So in the online world, you might not have as much overhead, but just to know that at some point, yeah, you can do the solopreneur thing for a while and grow your business. And then when it gets to that point, you can definitely hire help in order to kind of pass off some of the tasks that you don't like to do. Yeah. One other thing I would also like to say, this was going back to another question was, if I could give any advice to anybody starting out. So if you are in a position to pay somebody, so say you hire somebody for an afternoon, this is obviously brick and mortar, but, and you're like, oh, I can't afford that. But if you can actually afford to take, for example, an afternoon off and have somebody come in regularly just for your own self, so you have some time, that's something I would definitely also recommend. Even if it's taking money out of your pocket, the refresh and the relax of it really will help in the long run with your business. So don't be scared to actually do that. Yeah. And that was probably one of the best pieces of advice you gave me in the brick and mortar because I had worked like crazy and was so, so burnt out. And I remember you saying that, like, even if your business doesn't have the money right now to pay that person to come in for one hour, so you can go for a pedicure or go go home and sleep if you want to, or just be able to do maybe some of the paperwork that you just never get around to doing because you don't have the time. And I remember taking that advice and thinking, you know, I just can't afford to hire anyone right now. But we ended up doing it. And exactly that, you know, it just is such a refresh because you can't operate from a state of burnout. You just can't. And so it's this vicious cycle that you get stuck in. And there, I know there's so many entrepreneurs out there that are suffering from that burnout because they're trying to do everything themselves, but their business isn't at a state where they can hire, but it is so, so important. And one of the things my spouse also said was you can't grow without more people. Right. Mm -hmm. And so at some point you're going to get to that place where 
you aren't quite seeing the return on investment yet, but trust me, health wise, mental health wise, it's so, so important, but eventually those people are going to help you grow your business, which they are staff totally did. So what's one fun thing? I know you have this like amazing team. She has an amazing team of people that she's hired women that have stayed with her for years, basically the whole time. What's one way you reward your team every year when we can travel? Oh, well, so we celebrated on our fifth anniversary and then our 10th anniversary. So I took everybody to Mexico and we stayed at all inclusive. It was super fun. We had great, a great, great time both times. And I just remember everybody saying, Oh, I want to come and work for you. Or like, nobody does that. And I thought, you know what, this is like the smallest thing that I could do for our team as a whole was to treat them to something like that for the amount of time, effort, like, we would have late nights, you know, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, everything like you put a lot of effort into to the job. And that was a very little, little gift for me to give them. So I mean, we're coming up to our champagne birthday this November. And I don't know yet what we're doing. Because obviously, with COVID, I don't know. But I mean, we've had people I've had two gals that have worked basically since year three ish, I'm thinking. And so We've had a lot of years together and those are little things that I can do for them. But we do all kinds of fun things. We do like pedicure dates. We do movie dates. We do, we're like a little flower family. So I feel like those little things that probably aren't big things, the time together is what is most important. And that's what I try and build for us in our shop. Yeah. And so, so cool. Again, once you start building that team and whatnot, so important to give back to them, right. For their service and not just in a paycheck. Right. I mean, sometimes those little things, like you said, pedicures, movie nights, whatever it is, just simple thank yous at the end of the day, or if you've had a really tough week of weddings, it's just like, thank you for your work. You were really helpful this week. Those little things go a long way. Yeah. And that's that leadership of showing up and being the leader of your business, right? And knowing that it's your responsibility to take care of your people and your team, and they'll keep showing up in your business and wanting to do good work for you. And obviously they keep showing up as they have been for the last, you know, 10 plus years for you. Some of them have. So just to kind of, before we, you know, wrap things up here and leave our listeners, what is one thing you want to share with them as we go in terms of like, what you're excited about for the next five, 10 years for your business. And how do you keep that excitement going? Okay. So you had touched on the burnout phase and I will be honest in saying I was burnt out after COVID. This mother's day was really tough and I felt, I I felt done basically. And so I had to close the shop for the month just to settle and, and get back to normal and feel good again. And like, I mean, we still have our weddings every weekend, but every day to day flowers had to stop because like everybody was done. It wasn't just me. So this time off has been a super amazing refresher for me mentally, physically, like in all kinds of aspects. So there's a few things that I'm doing in the future that I'm excited about. One thing we won't really touch upon because it's not really set in stone, but there's really fun things coming. There's a few other things that I'm really excited about, which is diving into other areas of my creativity. And I'm a dreamer and I have a million ideas. You do. (laughs) So (laughs) I am finally taking the leap of hiring someone to run the shop. And I'm going to take a step back from those type of tasks to dive into all the other creative ideas that I have. So 
One thing I'm excited about is I will be launching an online course guide. I don't know what it's called yet, but that's for brides. So there's been a big shift in the industry for brides wanting to do their own wedding flowers. So that will be launching this summer. And I'm super excited about that. It's given me kind of like a little bit of a, like a young-ish feeling. I don't know, that's probably not the best word, but I feel really like excited and just like it's going to be a fresh thing to start. And I'm really looking forward to that. There's a few other projects that I'm going to be working on as well. One, which would be another online venture and then one, another local venture. So a lot of things going on that really came together this month when I took time off. And if I didn't take that time off, I again would be operating out of this place of burnout, grumpiness, like I felt very grumpy. And I'm so excited that I decided to do that because none of this really would have flourished into what it is now and the excitement that I feel about it as well. Yeah, it's so cool. Again, you know, when I started my business four years ago, the brick and mortar, I learned so much from Mish because I just saw her like shutting down her shop for a month or shutting it down for three months. And I was like, what? Who does that? <laughs> I actually remember I, I wanted to go for beers one day. I'm like, just close early. <laughs> yeah. You were you wouldn't close early. Yeah. And I was just like, well, I mean, you do you, you gotta do you, but I am okay with that. Again, I just kind of roll with things and people would joke a lot actually when I had the store at Fairlight because I would put up, if I needed to go for a walk, I was going for a walk. I'd put up a sign, be back in half an hour. And it was just because I needed to get out and do things. And if people were upset about it, well, I'm sorry, this is just how I have to be. I would even put up signs on the shop saying I'd close down for a week, go away to Mexico, whatever. And I would say, if you've showed up and you're not here, let me know next time you'll get a free da 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 da. Like, so I would try and help people so they weren't upset. You know, I wanted to still be serving people, but at the same time, I know I, I knew I needed to do these things just to be happy and existing and, and such. Yeah, it is funny because, yeah, you would message me, let's go for a beer. Can you take the afternoon off? Or it's, <laughs> it's hot out. Let's go do something. And I was like, no, we've got a retail business. Are you crazy? We can't shut it like that. What does that look like in business? And it was just, I learned the hard way in our brick and mortar. Like I worked like crazy and follow, you know, the store was open, the time it was, we barely took any vacation. I do not encourage that at all because like me, she's demonstrated. I mean, she's been in business for 15 years. She has a really successful floral business here. And she, yeah, closed down for three months at one time. And I remember thinking in my head, like, this is nuts. Like you're closing for three months. Like what happens if people just stop coming to your shop? But they didn't. It's because you had established it and you built it. And here's the thing. If you are like operating from a place of burnout, you're not serving your audience. You're actually doing them a disservice because you are grumpy, irritated, and you just can't think clearly. And if you do feel that sort of like resistance in your business, you're not liking it, whether it's the first year, second year, fifth year, 10th year, likely you need a bit of a refresher, a break, something new, right? And anytime you take on sort of a new project, is there a new creative way that you can change your business, tweak your business, pivot? I'm the queen of pivots. I love pivoting, starting, quitting, starting, quitting things. But because I do think it's important to look at what it is that isn't working because it's not going to work just perfectly and seamlessly for 15 years in business, it's not, you're going to start to hate things or not like things or whatever. And it's like, how can I still love my business, 
and not maybe sell it or get rid of it or whatever? What can I bring in? What can I delegate shift, whatever, to still maybe love it and or spark new creative ideas, especially if you're an entrepreneur or creative, right? That creativity is like what drives us. And if that spark is like not lit, it's hard to do the work. So, well, and you said you start things, quit, quit things, start things, quit things. It's not quitting things at all. You're figuring out, you're testing, you're trying, and those are key things in business to succeed. So if you don't change something, if you're unhappy with something in your business and you don't change it, well, what do you expect? There's no other outcome except for what is there in front of you right now. So, I mean, another example of what I did, which went against the grain of the floral industry was I switched my website to be totally designer's choice. So I bring in what I want to bring in and what I want to design with. And I knew that I would lose customers in that sense, because I know a lot of people are visual and they want to see what they're getting, but that's okay. I mean, I'm not for everybody. And so when I switched that, I thought, okay, my orders are really going to go down, but it's what I wanted to do. I was, I was sick of following floral recipes and designing these, I call them grocery store style arrangements. And it actually like business went up. And I think it's quite funny because again, I've wanted to do that for a little while and I was a little bit hesitant. And then I said, no, I'm just going to do it. And it was great. Yeah. Like you said, you know, the hesitation of like, oh God, I'm what I'm doing right now works if I tweak it or change it. But at the end of the day, you know best. And that's what the be the sought after entrepreneur is all about is really showcasing that there really is no right or wrong way to do business. And even if your business is working and thriving, but it starts to become out of alignment for you, doesn't resonate anymore, you're not really loving it, it's not lighting you up, that you can make changes to it and still carry on and be successful. And even if you go against the grain of what everybody says, whoa, we shouldn't be doing that or you need to be doing this, you know, let's, it's time to ditch the shoulds and woulds and coulds and all whatever it is and do really what fits and works for you because I truly, truly, truly believe that when you aren't operating in alignment and you aren't operating with that spark, that energy really affects your business. And it's subtle. You might not even notice it. But like you said, as soon as you started doing the things you wanted to do, like your sales just went up even more. And I truly believe that you just start to attract more greatness and brilliance into your life when you are just living that truth. I agree. I agree. Totally. There's nothing to be scared of to try new things in your business. If something's not working, try something else. Like there's always things that you can do to make your job better and make it a happier environment for yourself. And if something isn't working, then just keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah, totally. So as we wrap up, I just want to thank you for being on the Be the Sought After Entrepreneur podcast as a guest. Loved having you on, loved chatting with you about your business and all the different pivots and changes that you've gone through. And just the way that you've made this business literally your own business and you've just run it the way that you wanted to run it for the last 15 years and it's, and it's been successful and you've gone against the grain. So where can people find you online if they want to check out the beautiful, beautiful floral work that you do? Yeah. So I am, well, obviously Instagram, Michelle's flowers, as well as our website is www.michellesflowers.ca. And you can contact me if you want to chat any business stuff. I'm always available. I love I love diving into that kind of stuff too. So if you ever have any general questions, I'm available. And then if you're local here, obviously give me a buzz. We'd love to send flowers out for you. And yeah, thanks for having me, Kadam. It's been awesome. Awesome. Okay. Wow. How much fun was that? Even after all these years, I'm still learning new things from Michelle and we've been besties for a long time. And I had no idea she went into first year university into psychology, but 
If there's one thing that I know for certain about her that has stayed consistent over all these years is she's always done things her own way, even when others tried to sway her in another direction. It's something I believe the entrepreneurial space needs more of, well, a heck a lot more of, and not just people telling you to do things differently or how they do things differently, but actually embodying every ounce of what they preach. Because it's in that embodiment, that integrity, that your energy becomes magnetic for the things that you desire, and it repels, well, the things you don't want coming into your life. It's the first pillar all entrepreneurs need to effortlessly attract the most aligned clients. Now, we have a free quiz designed to showcase the type of entrepreneur you're showing up as right now. Because every successful entrepreneur who is creating consistent income in their business, making those six, seven figures, started by identifying how they were currently showing up in their business. Because without this awareness, you'll struggle to embody the traits and energy needed to be the sought after entrepreneur. So if you want to take this quick quiz, I promise super quick to see what type of entrepreneur you're currently showing up as, click the link in the show notes and fill it out now. Now, as you know, if you've listened to other episodes, you know, I love connecting with my listeners. I'm a four, six manifesting generator. If you don't know what that is, do a quick Google search It's all around human design. Basically, I'm all about community connections and networking, and I love shutting out my listeners each and every week. All you have to do is write us a review and I might shut you out on the next episode. Also, I love snail mail surprises. I mean, who doesn't like getting stuff in the mail? So I've been known to drop my favorite goodies in the mail as a thank you. Now, in the weeks ahead, we are going to dive deeper into what it takes to become a sought after entrepreneur. So be sure to subscribe to the show so that you can. Thanks for listening. We'll see you you right back here next time. You can also find us on social media at creatively owned and online at creativelyowned.com. Until next time, keep showing up as your authentic self.